I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest says that happy is my spot. She is full of so much great energy, as you'll hear. Tammy Butler is a proven leader with a strong background in housing and community development, expertise in public finance and management, and a deep commitment to improving communities and the lives of women. As a managing principal with Engaging Solutions, she has successfully led and managed the company's call center business and co-managed the firm's planning and community outreach sector. Prior to that, Tammy spent over a decade in state government in a variety of leadership roles. Tammy's passion for improving the lives of women and families extends beyond her corporate life. She's the past president of NABO and is pastor of the House of God Church in Indianapolis, leading a congregation whose members are among the most underserved and underrepresented populations in the state. Her problem-solving skills, knowledge, and experience engaging stakeholders in the community planning process have led to the creation of multiple programs that have changed lives. As you'll hear in our conversation, she has a deep passion for empowering others to step up. She looks for the goodness in everyone, which encourages her to let others lead. She'll talk about a pivotal time in her career when she realized that people make it happen and that in her absence, the work goes on. Check it out. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, and um, ended up in Indianapolis, Indiana after arriving here um, to Ball State University. I have a master's in urban and regional planning. From there, I originally started out thinking I was going to be a lawyer, and that didn't quite um, work out. I submitted one application, and that application didn't get accepted. And so that was probably my first pivot in my life. <laughs> before before graduation, I said, oh my gosh, um, my parents are headed here. Um, it's Mother's Day Sunday. I need to take a career test and figure out what else I can do other than being a lawyer. And so um, <laughs> what that test showed, it said urban planning. I'd never heard of it. Um, there were three schools that popped up. Ball State was one of them. I applied and um, got accepted, ended up with a full ride for my master's program. And it was the best decision I ever made. And from that experience, ended up in Indianapolis, working in community development for a period of time, then going into state government, um, as you stated, and then eventually um, becoming an entrepreneur as administration um, was changing within state government, met some amazing friends um, along the way while working in the public sector. And as a result of that, we came together and um, started what's called Engaging Solutions, which is a management consulting firm. Awesome. Well, I want to hear more about Engaging Solutions for certain, but also you do so much around impacting the lives of women in particular. I know that you're past president of NABO. So also tell us a little bit about that passion for you. Where did that come from? I've always had a passion for helping women and connecting to women. And I think it probably started um, with my grandmother. As I learned more about my 
father's mother, who was an extraordinary one, was actually woman business owner of the year in Charleston, South Carolina during her decade. She owned an upholstery business, but she also was raising five children that she put through school on her own, had come out of an abusive um, relationship. And um, from that point of hearing her story and what she was able to do, I was like, where was the support system for her? And so I've always just had this passion for connecting with women, being able to lift um, others as I climb is what I believe is so important and being able um, to love people where they are. And it's not about you and what you can do, but how you can help others be successful as well. And so I, I joined NABO, was connected to NABO through a mentor of mine, Deborah Oates. And the first meeting I went to, I was I felt the passion and the energy and that feeling that I can do absolutely anything and ended up becoming um, president of the organization after serving in ex- several executive roles on the executive committee. And so did that role there. Um, as president. And then um, after that rolled onto the foundation board, when I was appointed to pastor in the community in um, which I operate in, there are mostly single mothers in that community. And so all of those things just tied to the passion I have for women and helping them and knowing that you can do it. There's a light inside of everyone. We just got to turn it on. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's like your personal mission is so aligned with the organization's mission. That was a great place for you to play that out. Yes, exactly. Most definitely. 2017 was a really rough year for you that taught you a lot about your leadership. Tell us about that. Ooh, so uh, uh, crazy year, 2017. (laughs) So I've been married for 22 years going into 2017, coming right out of Christmas and for the first time picking our live tree and everything. And then we get to New Year's, the first week of the year, and we're supposed to be heading out to do a standard family trip that we've had every year. And then my now ex-husband wasn't packing to go on this trip. And so I'm like, what's going on? And he said, you know, hey, let's talk. And ultimately it resulted into he really wanted something else and no longer desired to be in the relationship that we had. And so that's how my 2017 started. And then as the year went on, it went from that to my son got a diagnosis. He is visually impaired. However, he has some sight. And then we received a diagnosis in May of that year that he would lose full sight within five to six months and went into a whole period of trying to do whatever we could to mitigate that. And fortunately, we were able to, but that was a very rough period for us. And then my uncle died of an overdose, an opioid um, overdose in June. In August, I was stuck in a hurricane in St. Martin and actually had to be airlifted out because, uh, along with my business partners. We went to retreat because we all had a pretty rough year in 2017. We went to retreat, ended up being our, the, the worst hurricane ever. And then you know, while I was there, I got noticed that my aunt had died. So that was now my uncle and my aunt. And then on the way back from the funeral, I got super sick on the plane. And by the time I finally was forced by my best friend to go to the doctor, 
She, we are straight to the hospital. They ended up diagnosing me with salmonella. Um, so my mom had to actually fly in and and take care of me and nurse me back to health all at the same time that my son, it was his senior year. Um, he was the captain of the football team. So I was trying to figure out how to still get to football games and support him and also fill out college applications that were due by October 1st. <laughs> so yeah. 2017 was crazy. (laughs) Well, yeah, any one of those things would have stopped someone in their tracks. So (laughs) the combination of them... uh, But I suspect it prepared you for 2020. (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, 2020 has been... I've been pretty calm through 2020. I'm like, if I made it to 2017, this will be fine, even though it's a pandemic, racial unrest, um, and the economy is upside down. It will all be okay. Yeah, it gives you a brand new perspective. The old adage, adversity introduces us to ourselves. So no doubt you learned you learned a lot about yourself through that time. Yes. Yeah. I learned a whole lot about myself. One is that I am a doer. I do consider myself um, a visionary, but I'm a visionary that also executes and implements and has my hand in kind of everything from my household um, to my business, to the church, to friendships that I have. And what I learned during that season is that I have to share the load (laughs) with with others. And actually, it's better to do that because people need that additional responsibility. It empowers them. It helps them to grow their leadership skills. And it brings new perspective to something as well. I, I think that it was really important for me to go through that experience to evolve in that way and know, first of all, it's okay if some things don't get done. And then it's also okay to understand that delegation is important and you have to let some of this stuff go. (laughs) And I don't have to have my hands in everything. And, And when you step back, the things that get created because there is this new diversity of thought around maybe something that was ideation, but the creation of it is a group of folks versus a solo mission. Uh, it transform what comes out of it. And in the situation you were in, you were forced to let go, right? Oh, there, yes. it, it wasn't possible for you. So what did you see as you started to loosen the reins a bit and give people more responsibility? What happened? Oh, the work goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that, you know, that that people can make it happen where sometimes we get caught up in our own selves, like it can't happen without me. And and then you're like, oh yeah, that proposal did get submitted. And it was a really good proposal. Oh, they won the proposal bid. <laughs> Maybe I should let them do this more often. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I think really the other piece is that you have to take time for yourself and allow, take, have a day off. There were times when I felt like I had to be at every meeting, that I, you know, had to prep my team for every conversation that we were about to enter into. And then you can't do it and you're not able to. And so it's okay. You, it's, I was thinking about this. Um, It's like when you're teaching your kids to ride a bike and then you take the training wheels off initially they're reliant and they're looking back at you, but then that wind hits them and their confidence gets built and then they just take off. (laughs) 
know, and you're you're like, slow down, wait, hold on. And and then you're like, why am I telling them to slow down? Go for it. And I think that's that that's what I learned as a part of that process. Coming out of 2017, a lot of things that mattered or that I was holding very close are that I felt I needed to have my hands in. It was like, no, you don't. And because you are releasing it, others are growing and shining and feeling more empowered. Well, and you make a good point about the training, Will. So it it wasn't that you just handed somebody a bike and say, go ride it. And they'd never ridden a bike before, right? You you said people make it happen. And these are people you've been working with and you have relationships with that you knew. So the timing was right for you to loosen the reins, right? You had prepared them for that. Yeah, most definitely. And and I think that's the piece is that the foundation had been laid, but had they been provided the opportunity to walk out that foundation. <laughs> and that's what 2017, I feel, really made happen because of the fact that I wasn't able to be present and leading the effort and hands in everything. It the foundation was already there. People had already done, the shadowing had occurred. The one-on-ones had occurred. The evaluation of their work in, in the past and feedback had been given. And so there was really nothing left but to say, take the training wheels off. Mm. Yeah. And you saw such good things. It's, oh, when yes. People are given the opportunity to step up. It's incredible yes. what they'll what they'll do. Yes. And the way they take it to a whole nother level where, because it, it doesn't, it's not boxed in. So it's more people, more voices, more thoughts, more. And the things that came out of it, the leveraging of our technology, the partnerships that were built with a lot of our partners that we already had, but just some think tanks and process improvements that occurred. And one, I think, Uh, people were really happy to jump in because they were like, okay, we can't do anything else. Like we can't stop by. We're not delivering soup to her or whatever. So that was their space to like, here's my contribution. And I just feel like people did that in such excellence because they were trying to contribute to something that was really bigger than the project. Like how can we help her heal (laughs) and know we got her back and the, but the fruit that came out of that was amazing. I love that. Here's my contribution. I mean, don't we all just want to add value and contribute and be a part of something? Yeah. So as leaders, when we do it ourselves, we miss out on the opportunity to allow somebody else to feel that sense of accomplishment. So how, how do you discern moments when you need to do and execute as the leader and moments when you need to let the team? When I can see that they're trying to give voice to it, I mean, so sometimes even when we are in discussions at the table and I'm listening to them, and so it might be a conversation that I have started of a problem that we need to solve. And when I see people trying to think, are they writing down? And often, sometimes you will have to prompt, okay, I see you're writing, or you're thinking, something's on your mind. What do you want to say? And so it's inviting people to contribute. I think oftentimes the invitation has to be extended until people become more comfortable with allowing their voice to lead as a part of that conversation. And so that's what really sensing that, or when you can see if I'm talking, but I could tell that people want to say something, but then they're like, well, she's the owner of the company. So maybe 
So then I'll say something that makes me vulnerable to make them feel more comfortable. Like, okay, I don't know. I don't have all the ideas. I know you guys got something. You're smarter than me in this room. So what's up? What are you thinking? (laughs) And then people begin to open up. That's great. So I, I heard three things in that. First of all, invite them to share their perspective. Yes. And pay attention to what their body language is showing. So exactly. sometimes, like you said, because you're the owner of the company, they may be hesitant to share. Yes. Yes. And then by you being vulnerable, that encourages people to open up and share their perspective. Yep. And and oftentimes what I'm trying to do now and from learning from going back to 2017 is to start with so what are you guys thinking before I even give my opinion? Because a lot of times as the leader, when you give an opinion, people feel compelled to validate that opinion when it may not have really been where they were. And so that's something that has become important to start with. Hey, so what do you all think? And that's an open-ended question that mm-hmm. invites an open-ended response. Yes, yes, yes. But then also in some ways, because we do meeting facilitation and engagement, It's also trying to put it in a way where they can visualize the answer. And so Mm. that's something also. So if you were in my shoes, how would you handle it? Where it's almost like them creating a story. And so instead of, because if I just say, so what do you want to, what would you do? What do you want to do? Then it's like a blank piece of paper. And you know how a blank piece of paper is harder to fill in? (laughs) Like when you first start writing a report. But when there is a creative element to it of, oh, the story. So making people think in that way. Oh, that's good. It's like a fill in the blank versus an open-ended. I really like that. So let's think about if we were able to do this, what would that look like? And then that's different than, so what would you do with this? It also, that language, if you were in my shoes, empowers them to lead doesn't it? It frees them up to identify the possibilities and to share. Yes, exactly. This idea of empowering people, like this runs deep within your organization. Yes. I I talked about in your bio how the the congregation that you lead Mm -hmm. is, the the population is amongst the most underserved and unrepresented Mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. Like it's so important for you to see the potential and people and you do just see the goodness in people. Talk about how that plays out in your organization as a leader. It's really important for us to identify the diamonds in the rough in our organization and to be able to see people. And I think that's what is so important. People will often use that phrase, can you see me? (laughs) And now we're saying it a lot, right? Because when we log on to Zoom and all these places, we're like, can you see me? Can you hear me? (laughs) Um, And in reality, people need that validation. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. But oftentimes don't know how to propel themselves forward. And so you have to search for those diamonds in the rough. And so something that we've started doing within our organization before, whenever we had a job posting, we would automatically make an assumption that there was no one in the organization that could fill the role. And that was off of our own kind of preliminary scan that we, we would do of individuals. So we would post indeed everywhere. And then 
we were having a conversation at one point, one of our leaders was having a conversation with a person in our contact center and was just in talking to them, started learning some information. And so they came back to us and said, hey, the role that you're trying to fill, I think there's someone in our contact center that can do. And this was around data analytics. I think that they can fill that particular role. And I was like, Okay, have them send their resume over and um, we'll talk with HR, see if they fit. And if so, get them in for an interview. Sure enough, this person sent their resume over and we were absolutely amazed at the experience that this person had that was in our contact center. But they um, were an older person, I would say like middle age, had already gone through their first stint at work and had retired, but after being in retirement, decided that they really wanted to come back into the workforce. And when they came back into the workforce, they brought all this experience that they previously had, but we were seeing that person as someone in our contact center, which is normally an entry-level role, um, and assuming that everyone that was there was entry level. So then we decided we were just going to start posting internally first for all of these positions that we would be hiring to fill various projects or through staff augmentation. And it was amazing what we started finding out about people that we had recruiters. Um, we had data analytics. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had nurses that were in the organization. And we were like, oh my goodness. you know. And so sometimes because of the position that someone um, applies for and accepts because of whatever backdrop that might exist, then you put them in that box and and think that, okay, they're an entry-level employee. They met the quals and you know qualifications for the job. But in reality, there's much more to that person that's sitting there either receiving or making that telephone call. So now we are starting to do more of a skills bank when a person comes in for HR and our recruiters to scan and make notes to kind of file so we know <laughs> um, as we have other positions that, that come up or we're sourcing for other things that we're able to start to identify people in our organization that are these absolute jewels that exist and others that might even be diamonds in the rough that we can help to cultivate what they already have as a starting foundation to propel them to the next level. Wow. So really tapping into the talent that you have right in front of you. Right in front of us. Right in front of us. You know, we're out spending lots of money on LinkedIn and everywhere else. And, and, and we have folks that are sitting right there. Like when they say right underneath your nose, literally <laughs> underneath our nose. Well, and I can only imagine what that does for their commitment and their yes. engagement. I mean, yes. that you really want to get to understand the the potential that they have. And Yes. Yes. The talent that they have. Exactly. And and so what it required those that were on the front line of screening and identifying is to really know that person's story, not just to interview someone for the position they applied for, but to understand who they were as a person and the other skill sets that they had that might be beyond that job. So what impact has that had on your retention, your engagement of your team members? 
It's had a lot of impact for us in regards to emerging leaders. <laughs> so we actually have an emerging leaders program that is able to identify these people that have amazing skills, ways to have them grow within the organization. So like even within several of our, our teams, we're creating ladders, you know, these kind of career ladders for people to be able to, okay, so you're you're not necessarily at an entry level. So you're you're coming in and you're mid-level and you have a diversity of skills. So we can put you really in a track and in our mindset, cultivating you to not just um, be a CSR, but a team lead. Okay. Not just a team lead, but, oh, you've done training before. Oh, so you've actually done some quality assurance work and, and auditing calls. Okay. So we can put you here. All right. And then just allowing people to have more experience within the organization to serve on various teams and to help with retention because they're getting training and they're, they know that there's an opportunity to be able to grow within the organization and to bring their whole self to the job. Yeah. So they see a path for themselves within the organization. Exactly. What a, what a practical way to really demonstrate that, hey, I see you. I see you as a person and the talent that you have. Yes. That's so good. Well, Tammy, you have shared so many incredible insights. So, so much around empowering people from giving them responsibility, getting them engaged with the great question, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? You gave us good perspective around how to invite them in, how to pay attention to how you're showing up as a leader, being vulnerable. And then this really seeing people, tapping into the talent within your current workforce when you have needs and you have um, opportunities within the business, start with your team Mm -hmm. and see if there are talents there that align. And I think that's the hard part for people that when they work within an organization, particularly if they've been in a role for a period of time or they came into an organization, new to an organization, that job classification that you currently have can put you in a box. And leaders will will have to be very intentional to make sure that they understand the whole person and not just the job the person is doing that day. Absolutely. And we have the bigger picture perspective to see that potential. I have a team member right now that she's doing so much more than when we brought her in because she's incredibly talented. Mm -hmm. I think that's our responsibility as leaders is to push people, challenge people, tap into that potential. Yes. Because we have a broader perspective. I had um, one employee that when she first came in, didn't know anything about proposal writing. And she ended up being at the office with me one night as I was cranking out a proposal. She was getting ready to leave. And she was like, oh, man, I hate to leave you here. Can I help in any way? And I was like, yep, sit down. (laughs) And I started walking her through how to dissect a proposal, how to respond, pulling out the pieces. Okay, let's get our big post-it notes, write those pieces down. So what are they looking for in this section? What are they looking for? You know, and um, she's one of the folks that I talked about earlier that is now submitting their own proposal. And so she just submitted a huge proposal that we've been shortlisted for. And I hope we win it just for her sake, because she going from that night that we stayed in the office till 3 a.m. And then now she's leading a team of people and just watching her organize that team and the writers and the review period and the prep 
for the the interview. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was exciting. Well done, leader. Well done. Uh, thank you. If you could go back now to early Tammy and give her any piece of advice, what would you say? Ooh, if I could go back to early Tammy and give her some advice, um, I think it's a lot of what we've talked about is you don't have to do it yourself. Remember that you don't have to do it yourself. Empower others. The best type of leader is the one that it's inclusive (laughs) engagement. I know it's become like a, lots of people are using that term right now, but it's really important because what you get out of it will be more than you can ever have imagined by allowing everyone to be able to contribute. And I think because the role models that I had with my grandmother, who was a a single mom, raised five children. That was the story that my father had always told me. And she put us through school. And so as women, you come out and you're like, all right, I got this. And then my, my mother, when she went through lupus as children, we had to step up to help because my dad owned a radio station and he was driving back and forth from Charleston to Mount's Corner. And so when I got off the bus, I was cooking, I was cleaning, I was everything just because of where she was at that point in time physically and not able to do a lot. So she would go to her job and when she got home, all she could do was just crawl to the bed. So I think some of the things that we learn and do because of our childhood experiences or what are the role models that have been in our life, there are good things that come from that. And then there are things that are only for that season that we need to hold on to. But then as we grow and evolve in our lives, we have to release some of that because there's something greater that we're supposed to have and allow others to experience through us that requires us to let go and allow our circle to become larger. And that's what I've learned. That's so good. Tammy, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Tammy at engagingsolutions.net. And then you can always find us www.engagingsolutions.net also is our website. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. So feel free to check me out on there too. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.